Australian state has seen temperatures above 40 degrees Celsius as scores of fires burn out of control. Some residents in parts of Victoria have been told it's too late to evacuate because of fires along major roads. Ten people have died since September in the bushfire crisis, the latest victim a volunteer firefighter in New South Wales. A transport strike in France is on track to be the longest in the history of the country. And as Paris and union leaders continue to trade bitter accusations, there appears to be no end in sight to the deadlock and nationwide transportation disruption. Bruce Harrison reports from the French capital. France's transportation ministry accused key trade union CGT of systematic opposition to any reform. And it said the union is taken to intimidating railway workers who have chosen not to join the strike. The CGT said President Emmanuel Macron is wrong to push forward with pension reforms and the people are unhappy. The strike against Macron's proposed pension overhaul is nearing four weeks, the record for France's longest transportation strike in the late 1980s. The unions say the reforms will force them to work later in life and face reduced payouts after retirement. The government wants to merge existing pension schemes into a single system to create what it says will be a more fair system for the country. I'm Bruce Harrison in Paris. Mayor of New York Bill de Blasio has announced security will be stepped up in Jewish areas due to the crisis of rising anti-Semitic attacks. Schools will also teach students how to tackle issues around hate. On Saturday, at least five people were injured in a mass stabbing at a rabbi's house in New York State. Bill de Blasio had already announced extra police patrols in parts of Brooklyn with large Jewish populations. And now the mayor of New York says authorities will go further still. We will be adding more security cameras in these communities as a preventative measure and to help us know, God forbid, there ever is an incident how to catch the perpetrators. Outgoing Governor of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, says the world will face irreversible heating unless companies' priorities shift. He says that firms' policies will cause nearly 4 degrees Celsius of warming if they don't change, far above the 1.5 degrees that governments are demanding. Stuart Smith reports from London. The climate is on track for nearly four degrees of warming if companies do not change their policies, according to the Bank of England's Mark Carney. This would cause metres of sea level rise, increasingly severe droughts and seriously impact global food supplies. He had specific warnings for fund managers who will find 80% of coal assets and up to half of developed oil reserves stranded if governments take the required action to avoid dangerous warming. He made the intervention in the climate debate in a radio interview, disagreeing with those who say capitalism is incompatible with addressing climate change. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom, righteously American. everybody I'm here I'm live and direct to you and you might have been wondering where has she been well I was live and direct to you over at WMAL in Washington DC 
And then after that, we had the Christmas holiday, and then I was live and direct to you straight from Sirius XM, which um, is, as you all know, if you're just tuning in, I'm one of their fill-in hosts. So it was my pleasure to fill in for Andrew Wilkow over there and just have the most fun possible sitting in his, you know, his show's like an F-16, getting to fly around in an F-16 for a few days. Uh, yeah, I'll take it. It was so much fun. Uh, so if you're a new listener to the show or watching on the live stream, the best place to catch us is StacyOnTheRight.com at 2 p.m. every day. And then we're not there. Or if you want to catch up on episodes that you've missed, you can head over to Listen.StacyOnTheRight.com. Listen.StacyOnTheRight.com. And that's where all the podcast episodes are located. And then if you're just looking for news and information, of course, StacyOnTheRight.com. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. For everyone who reached out, I think I've gotten through all of the emails I've emailed back everybody who said hello and thanks for filling in for Andrew or hey, I heard you on WMAL. You guys are awesome. Welcome to the Stacy on the Right Show Nation. We're so glad to have you here. Today on the show, what are we going to talk about? Well, unfortunately, we have to delve into an issue that um, is, it hurts. It hurts to talk about the rise in anti-Semitic attacks in New York City. It is painful to really become fully cognizant of the fact that school and church shootings are a part of our new reality, but I'm going to talk to you about how to deal with that. This is not a place in which we can simply dwell without dealing with this new paradigm shift. This isn't about saying we can't do more to make our society a place where these things won't happen. It's about accepting the reality that these things happen and then deciding what we're going to do about it. And so that's what we're going to talk about today on the show. Now, I know it's, it's upsetting. Um, so first off, we just need to cover the news itself. Um, and the news is that there was a shooting. And it happened in uh, West Freeway Church of Christ in Tarrant County near Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, I think one of the names of the towns has been, is White Settlement, Texas. And the shooter, we don't know much about him. All we have is the video. And the video you can find at The Right Scoop. It'll be in the show notes at listen.stacyontheright.com if you want to see the, the story that I'm posting from or that, we're, that I'm using as a source document here. Um, the shooting was on Sunday. The church was, the congregation was in the church building. They were sitting and listening. And then he just came in from a side entrance in full view of their live stream camera. And uh, then he produced a firearm and he shot one person. And that's when a hero, Jack Wilson, age 71, stood up and put one bullet into the shooter. I mean, from over 20 feet away, which shows you what good training will do for you. It becomes second nature to you. So instead of thinking, I need to draw and shoot, you literally are doing that. The same way that when you get in the car and you push the button to start it or turn the ignition, your legs and your hands start moving to pull out of your driveway. It's second nature to you. You don't have to think about it. That's what it was for this man when he shot the assailant in this church. That's what good training will do for you. It will make the movements that are needed to draw your weapon and fire second nature to you so that you can focus on your surroundings. And it becomes almost like uh, rote background action. Like you don't think about how you're going to brush your teeth. You just get up. You start your day. You start your routine. You end up brushing your teeth. Sometimes it's so automatic you don't even remember. The only way you know you brush your teeth is your mouth tastes fresh. But you, you, didn't, you didn't think about it at all. That's the kind of training and methodical application that you have to apply to your gun training 
to make sure that it's second nature. You see an assailant, you've drawn, you've taken your stance, you've steadied yourself, your hand is off safe, your gun is off safe, you have fired, and now you're reholstering. It's second nature. So the D.C. Examiner reports that Jack Wilson, age 71, shot and killed a gunman who opened fire in a West Freeway Church of Christ in Tarrant County near Fort Worth, Texas. Wilson was on duty as a volunteer security officer at the time of the shooting. He drew his weapon and killed the assailant within seconds. Wilson's aim wasn't surprising given his background. He was president of On Target Firearms Training Academy until 2016 and worked as a deputy sheriff and is currently running to be a county commissioner for the 3rd Precinct. So... His slogan for his campaign is make sure your vote is on target. Um, He wrote on Facebook, quote, I just want to thank all who sent their prayers and comments on the events of today. The events at West Freeway Church of Christ put me in a position I would hope no one would have to be in. But evil exists and I had to take out an active shooter in church. I'm thankful to God that I have been blessed with the ability and desire to serve him in the role of head of security at the church. I'm very sad in the loss of two dear friends and brothers in Christ, but evil does exist in this world, and I and other members are not going to allow evil to succeed. Please pray for all the members and their families in this time. Thank you for your prayers and understanding. The examiner also wrote that Wilson is a big Trump supporter as well. Wilson is running for commissioner on a conservative platform. He has also made his support for President Trump clear, writing, I totally stand by President Trump. Please be sure you are registered to vote, and please vote. The survival of the USA is in the balance in 2020. It wouldn't surprise me if Wilson ended up with an invitation. <laughs> so though, that's comments by uh, the author over at Right Scoop. Look, I, this is one of those situations where I immediately went online and saw leftists saying, well, it's horrible that people had guns in church, and I can't believe he shot someone in church. Well, what should he have done? Sat there and allowed himself and other parishioners to be gunned down in a church service just because guns are offensive to leftists? No, thank you. This was an amazing example of good guy with a gun, which defensive gun use, two million plus incidences a year that are very few of them get reported in the media. And in this instance, leftists are angry because this just goes to show you that a gun isn't offensive if it's sitting in your holster while you're sitting in church and nothing happens. It's not offensive. It doesn't hurt anybody, but it certainly does help if a gunman comes in and starts gunning down your brothers and sisters in Christ and you decide, you you act. It's not a decision. You act. The decision was when you said, I'm going to go get my concealed carry certification. I'm going to take this training class. The decision was, I'm going to buy this gun because it fits my hand and it's easy for me to shoot. I've tried it at the range. It's my favorite. The decision was when you said in the morning when you were getting ready, I'm going to go ahead and put my gun in the holster and I'm going to conceal it properly and I'm going to carry it to church just in case. Not because I know there's going to be a shooter, not because I want there to be a shooter, not because I ever want to use my gun, but because if I carry this gun to church today and if evil comes into that sanctuary, I want to be prepared to meet it. That's the decision. By the time this gunman opened fire in the church, all of the necessary decisions had been made. And because of that decision-making process, and it wasn't just Mr. Wilson, that, that's the other part of the story that the media will never, ever cover correctly. This man was not the only one who drew a weapon. He was the first to shoot. He took the shooter out. But others had their guns out at the ready as well. That's what has to be the norm. So it's not normal now because we have 
a closed mental system. All of us have it. This is not me judging you or trying to, you know, there's no raining down of prognostications on this show ever. The fact is we all have mental suppositions that we live with. We assume, for instance, that if I go out after this show and I get in my car and I push the button to turn my car on, I assume that the engine is going to begin. It's going to start. I'm going to be able to back out of my garage. I'm going to be able to go do what I need to go do. If I go out there and it doesn't start, that is unexpected. Now, I know what to do in that instance, but the point is my expectation is that that engine is going to turn over and it's going to function. By extension, we all have expectations of what our lives are going to be like and what is going to happen when we go out to different places. And what I'm going to suggest to you today is that we cannot allow the mental system that currently exists that says that we will never encounter evil when we leave our homes we can't allow that to be our reality because the fact is not only does evil exist, but our current cultural norms, the degradation of our culture, the lack of fathers in the home, the lack of addressing mental illness in our communities, the lack of, of, of successful um, policy from our government and from local and state officials surrounding mental health, uh, the lack of communication on what some of this comes from, some of this evil is coming straight from the pit of hell. As a Christian, we know that demonic influences can not only just influence people's behavior, but can completely change what people will do. And that sin exists in the world and the offshoot, the byproduct, the result of sin is that there's death. And so in response to that, we can't keep going around with our little lollipops and our ice cream cones and acting as if we're never going to encounter evil. We have to prepare ourselves for it, which brings me to artofmanliness.com, artofmanliness.com. You'll find this link in the show notes as well. So we have to talk about the OODA loop. It stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. And an OODA loop is what is actually created every time we decide we're going to take an action. For mass shooters, what they do is they create a scenario in which they plan out what they're going to do, their plan of attack. And whenever someone interrupts their OODA loop or their expectation of how the attack is going to be carried out, it interrupts that and creates a situation, an opportunity for people to save the lives of other people. And that's what happened in the shooting there in Texas. In the church, the shooter wasn't expecting to meet with resistance, and that is why he was unprepared for it, which is why he was able to be shot and taken out. So every time we encounter evil in public or in our homes, if we've not prepared ourselves for the eventuality that evil could touch us, then we're unprepared to deal with it. So that brings us into situational awareness. So if we're situationally aware, that means, you know, you're not on your phone when you're in your car. You're not, you, you know, you're sitting in the parking lot getting ready to go in someplace or you just left someplace. You don't get on your phone and take care of all your business. You get in the car on the way to your car. You've observed your circumstances. You've observed the people around it or people around you. It's not like you're standing there taking the license plate numbers of every vehicle in the parking lot. You just are not looking down while you're walking. You're observing. Uh, you would be the one to see someone go into a place, and you would know automatically because when you came in, you observed all of the available exits, even if that exit is an unconventional exit, meaning you have to go through the kitchen, which you are normally not permitted to do as a customer. But if someone comes in shooting through the front door and you're not prepared to defend, then you need to exit through the kitchen. That might be the exit that's closest to you. You're not going to just scream 
or just you're going to actually have a plan of action to get out of there. So the OODA loop was actually created. The concept uh, was created by John Boyd. And he had a basic diagram, which I just explained to you, um, which he spent his life working on this. He was a military strategist, and he was someone who felt that um, there are certain things that, like, the systems by which we think and act, that you can manipulate those systems to get different kinds of outcomes. You have to be aware of those systems, and then you have to basically be willing to challenge your own paradigm. So what do I mean by that? Well, one of the things that we get stuck in, what a lot of Americans are stuck in, and I'm, I'm speaking with sadness about the Jewish community in New York City, are stuck in a mental system that says, this is the way things are, and this is my reaction to the way things are. We want things to be as we think they should be. We don't deal with the way things are. I, one area in which the, this can be a proper example where it's my own personal example is, I think I appear a certain way. I think my weight appears a certain way. But then when I take a picture with a group of friends, I look at the picture of myself and I'm like, wow, that doesn't look the way I thought that I looked. The weight that I'm carrying doesn't look the way that I thought that it looked. This is the situation with a lot of different areas of our lives. That's just one example. The example that I'm going to use for this this discussion on the OODA loop is the insistence of the Jewish community to say that people should never shoot up synagogues or people's homes um, or meat markets or delis, etc. The reality is that anyone can shoot up any place, regardless of laws passed or our feelings about it, because evil exists and can manifest itself at any time or any place. So it, this fact does nothing to dull or shock the negative output that happens to us. Um, when these events happen, it crushes us, it, it damages us, it wounds us. Knowledge that these things can happen will never stop you from feeling the impact of experiencing one of these horrible events. But it should inform our actions moving forward. The new reality that we exist in right now is that these shootings are happening in synagogues and temples and churches. And these shootings are happening in public spaces, not just post offices, but other areas. People are going into waffle houses and, you know, diners and shooting them up. They're going into meat markets and Jewish communities. They've had one attack every day since December 13th in New York City. The anti-Semitism is not only on the rise, it has risen. The attacks have increased and the Jewish community there has to be prepared to defend itself. In response to outsiders like myself saying things like that, Jewish people online have said, that's not our way. It's not who we are. Well, that wasn't their way. That wasn't who they are or were. Right now, they have to be a community that responds to the reality of immigration and the bastardization of lies and knowledge that comes from multiple negative demonic sources turning their neighbors into assailants. They're in danger. Remember, the Jewish community in New York is grappling with the dissonance of who they are, a religious community with multi-generational roots in a family-styled neighborhood situation. They have a history of placid security and low criminality. They are an American success story. But their new neighbors are anti-Semites, jealous of the prosperity that Jews have created in America, 
And the increase on, in attacks on American Jewry in New York City has caused outsiders to insist, hey, y'all need guns. And they're saying that's not who we are. So they're refusing to acknowledge the change in their circumstances. And this is where we enter the OODA loop. Because we have to say to ourselves, whether it's the Jewish community, whether it's evangelical Christians and parishioners in churches across the country grappling with the fact that people keep coming into churches and shooting them up, shooting up Bible studies, etc. You have to deal with what is. And you have to open your mental system to be able to absorb this new information so that you can deal with what is. Someone in the community has to be willing to take on the new responsibility of protecting because the police are not going to arrive in time to stop a mass shooting. So you want to observe. You overcome the second law of thermodynamics by observing and taking into account new information about your changing environment, making your minds accept the reality and becoming an open system rather than a closed one. You are then able to gain knowledge and understanding that is crucial in forming new mental models. One new mental model for the Jewish community or for evangelicals or Protestants in churches across the country where these shootings are happening is that they need to have not just armed security like a um, police officer who is like your on-duty police officer for the campus, but you need to have parishioners who are trained and armed and willing to act if a mass shooter should appear. That is the new mental model that has to occur. So in an open system, we're positioned to overcome confusion-inducing mental entropy. And you can see that if you go online, you'll see people who are confused. They'll say, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why someone doesn't stop this from happening. I don't understand why someone would shoot up a deli or a rabbi's home or a church. It's not that we're going to automatically gain an innate understanding of the criminal mind or that we will become so intimately acquainted with evil that we will understand why people do evil things. It is that in an open system, we can overcome the confusion by dealing with what is and moving forward with concrete action plans to address the new reality. So from a tactical standpoint, to effectively observe, you need to have a good situational awareness, basically always being in condition yellow. Condition yellow is best described as relaxed alert. There's no specific threat situation, but you have your head up and your eyes open, your head's on swivel. You're taking in your surroundings in a relaxed but alert manner, and you are basically on your A game. You key in on where the exits are when you enter a public building. You know where you're going if someone should, God forbid, enter the, the place with guns blazing. You give the people around you a once over. You basically are saying to yourself, I just want to know that I've looked every person in this space over real quick. Why? Because that's how you can tell if someone is out of place. You also can check for their normalcy. Um, and so, again, it's not that someone who's weird looking or behaving in a weird manner is a threat. It's that you're aware. You notice the weird-looking person or the weird-behaving person. You're aware of where they are in the room, and you see what they're, what they're doing. This also enables you to be someone who is a true witness in case something does happen where you need to speak 
to the police afterwards and they ask, what did the person look like? And everyone around you is, they don't know because they were looking at Instagram. You remember what the weird person looked like or the person, you know, you remember what everyone pretty much generally speaking looked like because you actually made yourself situationally aware of who was there. Now, this is a big picture, strategic level type thing. Um, observation requires you to track and keep aware of your surroundings. So here's a couple of problems you might encounter in the observation phase. First of all, and this is according to Mr. Boyd, the creator of the OODA loop, we often observe imperfect or incomplete information. We can be inundated with so much information that separating the signal from the noise becomes difficult. So this is in the beginning. When you first begin to walk around and be in condition yellow at all times, you'll find that you're observing everything and you're taking everything in. And so therefore, you're not remembering everything. Don't be discouraged by that. Simply continue to operate in condition yellow. And as you become more accustomed to that, you will actually begin to then notice specific things that are important, specific things. Uh, people, items, circumstances, etc. that's what you're looking for. So you're not automatically good at this. You're not automatically good at anything. Even people who are naturally gifted at wonderful things weren't automatically good at it. They still had to go through that zero to 10,000 hours to become an expert. So you think they're naturally good at it. What they are is someone who spent 10,000 hours becoming an expert at it so that now it looks easy to you. But in reality, that skill honed over time that makes them an expert, that makes it look super easy for them. <laughs> so we can all do this. That's what I'm saying to you. So we want to then, looking at um, the mental models, because our mental models shape everything in how the OODA loop works. Orientation shapes the way we interact with the environment. It shapes the way we observe, the way we decide, the way we act. In this sense, orientation shapes the character of present OODA loops, while the present loop shapes the character of future orientation. So how do you orientate yourself in a rapidly changing environment? Well, you have to constantly break apart your old paradigms. I'm safe everywhere I go. No one is ever going to break out a gun anywhere that I am. Mass shootings only happen over there, over here, et cetera, et cetera. And you put the resulting pieces back together to create a new perspective that better matches your current reality. Mass shootings can happen anywhere. Mass shootings now happen in churches, not just schools and post offices. Mass shooters can be shot. Mass shooters can be stopped. If I decide to become trained on a firearm and get a concealed carry license, I could be the person to stop a mass shooter. If I'm not going to stop the mass shooter, I'm not going to be the person screaming incoherently. I'm going to be headed for the exit or taking cover. That's the new reality that you would put back together after breaking apart the old one. Now, what am I saying to you in like the most basic of terms that you should be walking around armed to the teeth at all times with, you know, MacGyver type hiding knives all over your body and all that stuff and you should never be able to take a deep breath and relax no 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 what I am saying to you is that if you believe that you're never going to be in a mass shooting situation you could possibly be right because even with the new prevalence of mass shootings and attacks you're still much more likely to be in a car accident than you are to be in a mass shooting. 
That being said, if we all take the attitude that it's never going to happen to us when it does, if it does, it means we will be unprepared and lives that could have been saved will be lost. And I don't know about you, but I'm not prepared for that to be my paradigm, my reality, what I'm willing to live with. So we can take from the hero with a gun in Texas, a 71-year-old man who admittedly he's not the norm because he, you know, he ran a training school and all of that, but he could be an example for all of us. I really feel that he is in how we can address this new thing that's happening. And really, is it new when we've been having these shootings happen, you know, and we're aware of them because, you know, we now have mass media and instant news for 15 years now? Is it really new? Why are we still surprised? Evil is surprising. If you don't understand the condition of the human heart, we are depraved and wicked and without a savior, we're capable of anything. So let's not be in that closed mental system that says we're living in a time where we have peace and placid prosperity and never have to worry about being in these incidents. Let us instead be operating on, you know, condition yellow, head on a swivel, oriented and prepared to observe and protect. It's really up to us what we do and how we get it done. So now I want to go into some news because <laughs> we've been, I tell you what, so I was so exhausted after um, filling in for uh, first WMAL's Larry O'Connor show and then Andrew Wilkow on Sirius. I was so, I can believe how three hours of radio a day, it wore me down. Oh, it was so fun. So first of all, it was more fun than I deserved, but it was also a lot of hard work. Um, now, that being said, um, you know, I, th I feel like I got my radio chops back. It made, it made everything feel more exciting. And I was really excited to get back to you today. So we do have a show that is very similar to the information I just shared with you. And we have an interview coming up tomorrow. Both of those are over at LifeZet.com. You can get a gander at those. And then um, I want to go through a few things news-wise today. Um, so first, let's talk about the wage growth that's been happening under President Trump. <laughs> President Trump, they said we couldn't get any um, wage growth. They said we would not have wage growth. That's what they said, that it would be tiny and minuscule and anemic, and it would not be anything significant, and that Americans would not experience the growth of the economy. Oh, yeah, they said that. They were wrong. Yeah, so... It says here, and this is reported by Axios, y'all, hardly a right-leaning organization. Wages for non-supervisory employees who make up 82% of the workforce are rising at the fastest rate in more than a decade. This is according to the Wall Street Journal. Again, you know, the Wall Street Journal is not exactly pro-Trump, okay? The story said pay rates for the bottom 25% of wage earners rose 4.5% in November from a year earlier, while wages for the top 25% of earners rose only 2.9% per data from the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. So talk about that inequality. I thought there was all this privilege in the management. Managers did not get as huge of a bump as the bottom ranks. What does that mean? Well, everyone keeps saying that President Trump's pay 
uh, the wage growth and also the the tax reform package only benefit the wealthy. Well, that doesn't sound like that's the truth here, now does it? Don't facts just become our friends more and more every day? Like, don't you just love a fact? I know I do. So uh, the bank also found, the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, found that the rate of pay rises for low-skill workers matched those for high-skill workers last month for the first time since 2010. Wow. President Trump and his magic wand giving you everything President Obama admitted he couldn't. What? <laughs> so, bad news. Uh, a federal judge said late Thursday that she will at least temporarily block North Carolina from requiring photo identification from voters at the polls next year. So this is an Obama judge, surely. If not an Obama judge, some other Democrat put this chick in office, and she needs to be replaced with a constitutionally limited judge appointed by President Trump. We'll see about that. So this order explaining the decision its full breadth will come next week, but the announcement was time to delay a planned statewide mailing explaining the state's new voter ID rules. Public notice came via a short note appended to an online case filed Thursday in, get this now, NAACP et al. v. Cooper. So these people, I told you, U.S. District Judge Loretta Biggs, a President Barack Obama appointee presiding in the case, look, these people believe that blacks can't get IDs because we black people don't buy alcohol, we don't buy houses, we don't drive. That's what white liberals believe about black people. They think we're so incompetent and idiotic and stupid and unable to function that we can't get IDs when we're checking books out of the library just like everybody else. When I'm at the library, is it just white people there or is it not just everybody getting books and stuff? When I'm at the grocery store and people are buying alcohol and wine and stuff for the parties they're having for this time of year, the black folks are not standing off to the side trying to figure out how they can buy some alcohol because they don't have IDs. Black people have IDs, too, because we own homes, we drive cars, we are just like everybody else. But that insulting, garbage-pale mentality is prevalent among liberals because they don't think you can do diddly without their assistance. You can't even go to the restroom without them helping you in and out because they're liberals and they know what's best for you and they're in control of you and they're the boss of you. And hey, black person, you victim, you demographically challenged individual your black skin prevents you you do not have any power you can't even call upon the name of the lord and be saved and have holy spirit intervention and righteous living going before you and the blessings of the lord chasing you down and overtaking you oh no 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 you can't because you're black and you need a white liberal to come in and give you something so how don't you deal with that not only is president trump a racist according to the liberals but you can't do diddly without them now, if you're black, you should be so insulted that the hair on the back of your neck should be up and your neck should be hot and you should be thinking to yourself how you are going to vote differently because if anybody thinks you can't do anything without them, that's the person who thinks they can control you. That's the person who doesn't have your best interest at heart and that's the person you should be against, not President Trump. But is this about President Trump? Before I get too far gone, no. No, it's not about President Trump. This is about a ideology that literally wants black people to believe that the only group in America who can't vote the way they want to or achieve or perform is us just because we're permanently tanned. Now, if you're not ready to rise up against that, then you don't have an ability to absorb the truth. You might get one, but right now you don't have it. 
And if you're white or any other background and you hear me talking about this and you're not mad, then I'm not sure what's going on with you. No American should sit by and see the beauty of this experiment and the opportunity that lays on the ground in front of us for us to pick up and pluck and take as our own and see a community being oppressed and told that they're victims. No one should see that and be like, well, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with me. Oh, yes, it does. Because the black culture is actually on the leading edge for every positive thing and every negative thing that eventually makes its way out to the suburbs. You can trace it right back to the inner city. So, I mean, do you like the music? Do you like the culture that is swimming around in the suburbs? You can look and see where that's where it was 10 years ago in the inner city. So if you think it doesn't impact you, well, you're just not looking around. You're not correctly observing the circumstances and situations that are currently present in your environment. And that, that, that is also a travesty. I'm just letting you know. It's, it's, you know, it's always truth-telling time over here uh, on Stacy on the Right. So this woman, U.S. District Judge Loretta Biggs, Barack Obama appointee, sees this case come through from the NAACP, which also believes black people are too inferior to have their own voter ID, and she's just going to go ahead and put an injunction on it. Do you think Loretta Biggs believes black people can't get ID? Or do you think she's just acting according to what her overlords have told her to do because she's a Democrat? Uh, it, by the way, in case you don't know, it's, it's the second one, the latter. That's what she's doing. So now that's why what the president is doing with the judges, with all of these appointees, with, all, with, with, with him and Mitch McConnell working to subvert the will of the Democrats to put all of these constitutionally limited judges on the federal bench is so important. That's why it's so important that he gets reelected. It's so important. It's so important. It's so important. Can't stress it enough. Boom. That's it. Now, moving on, because this is one of the best things I get to do here on this show is when President Trump is trolling some of these crazy people. <laughs> yes. When he gets his troll on, this is what I get to do is what I what I get to do is I get to see the trollage absorb it giggle and laugh and maybe even you know get some kettle corn going you know just it live my life um yeah so here it is you have president trump on twitter and here's what he put out hillary should give it another try but this time don't forget wisconsin pennsylvania michigan north carolina and others <laughs> Woo! yes he's the best at trolling His, and this is why i don't mind that twitter feed y'all because somebody's got to trigger the libs and I don't have enough time to get it done the way he can with all those millions of followers on Twitter. He might as well get the troll done, get the trollage done, sir. So that's what he's doing. So after weeks of behind the scenes debate, turning to impeachment, just briefly, don't worry, I'm not going to keep this up in your face for long. Uh, the Senate Republicans have actually come up with a plan, a strategy for handling President Trump's impeachment, they plan on having a brief trial, no witness testimony, and a fast acquittal. You like that? <laughs> I do. I love it. In fact, it's time for me to break out some hot buttons, y'all. <laughs> yes. I like it. Thank you, Senate Republicans. You rock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want you guys to feel the love from the Stacey on the Ride show. Righteously American, you guys are killing it. Yeah. 
That's what the American people want as well, by the way, if you're wondering. So uh, Senator Josh Hawley, the junior senator from the great state of Missouri, said, I'm ready to vote now. I think the articles are a joke. Yes, Senator Hawley, you get kudos from us again. So um, Trump allies have proposed dismissing the articles and charges out of hand, but they don't want to do that. Hawley said it's time for him to have his day in court. The president deserves to have due process, which he was denied in the House, so it's only fair. And um, Trump, who is calling for a full-blown trial with multiple witnesses, including former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter, just three weeks ago, has now come around to supporting the Senate's leadership's plan. Now, it is boring to just dismiss them out of hand and not call Hunter Biden and his dad, you know, his father, as they might say. But it's the right thing to do. We can't get down in the mud and sling garbage with the Democrats. We have to have some principles and some, you know, like, honor about ourselves. And, and I know it hurts sometimes. When you're dealing with fools, it hurts. But this is, this is our calling. We got we to gotta be better, okay? We got to be better than they are. So, um, and that's where I'm going to wrap it up today. We, 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 I, I have so many more stories we could cover, um, but I had to get the OODA loop and shooting information out to you this afternoon. And um, I just want to say thanks to people who've been posting on Facebook and other places. Um, the crackdown on social media is so real. So the primary place that you can find news and information about this show is StacyOnTheRight.com. And so my request to you, more than supporting our Patreon, patreon.com slash StacyOnTheRight, or PayPal, paypal.me slash StacyOnTheRight, the primary thing you can do to support me and to kind of help keep the, the, the fires burning is to share StacyOnTheRight.com and to go there and just go there all the time. Um, we're going to be posting more stories there. Um, but the big deal is if I have my own website, which is the primary place for you to come get stuff, especially you Facebook people, I love you so much. But I notice if I don't post on Facebook, you don't see me because you don't leave Facebook. Well, Facebook is their place, and they're clamping down on us. I can't even live stream there anymore, you guys. They've shut me down. So I can live stream on Twitter, which I'm, I'm on Periscope right now, and I'm live streaming to StacyOnTheRight.com. That's where you can find the stuff. So go there. Go to StacyOnTheRight.com. If they completely remove me from Facebook and Twitter, does that mean you'll never see me again? It's up to you. You can always find me at StacyOnTheRight.com. So that's where you should go for all the stuff. And you can also use the contact form to message me. Um, you never have to be under the overlords of social media if you're on my website because that's directly from you to me. Thank you guys so much for uh, all of the emails, the notes, the direct messages, all of the support, the wonderful response to me filling in for Andrew Wilkow and Larry O'Connor over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, the, the sweet posts on our, our Christmas card and all that stuff online. You guys are awesome. God bless you. Um, I will be back with you briefly tomorrow. Uh, even though it's New Year's Eve, I'm just going to pop on here and do a live stream. So you can check me out. It'll be 2 p.m. Central. And other than that, you know what? Let's rock this. Let's have a great afternoon. And uh, I'm going to see you then. All right. Righteously American. <laughs>